Welcome to the Software People Stories. I'm Shiv. I'm Chitra. And I'm Gaiti. We bring you interesting untold stories of people associated with the creation or consumption of software-based solutions. You'll hear stories of what worked and sometimes what didn't. You'll also hear very personal experiences and insights that would trigger your thoughts and inspire you to do even greater things. The big, big world of product management with so many dimensions, each one key to a desired outcome for users in the business. As our guest on this episode of the Software People Stories, Sunita Rao, Senior Director of Product Management at NetApp says, you don't have any direct line of control and you have to build relationships across teams all the time to deliver as a product manager. She shares her experiences and insights on understanding customers, crafting problem statements, managing outcomes, and looking at new business models, along with several tips and catch-22s from her rich repository of learning. Sunita is passionate about paying it forward as well, and she shares her stories on volunteering her time for several causes. Sit back and listen to our new episode. Hi, Sunita. Good evening. It's wonderful to have you on the Software People Stories. I've been really looking forward to this conversation. Hey, Chitra, thank you for the opportunity. I really, really appreciate, uh, you know, the, the chance to talk about myself and really appreciate you inviting me for this uh, talk. Looking forward to it. We usually start by asking our guests to introduce themselves. How would you like to do that for our listeners? Sure. Um, just to uh, introduce myself, I'm Sunita Rao, and I lead uh, product management for consumption-based offerings here in Sunnyvale in California. And I work for a company called NetApp, which is uh, a number one storage vendor for its time. And I am uh, responsible for translating the company into new business models and enabling subscription for the company. Thanks, Sunita. There's so many topics right there based on the introduction that you just made. So more questions on those coming up later in the conversation, I hope. Mm-hmm. So did you always want to be part of the tech industry? How did this whole journey begin for you? Where did you start in your career? That's an interesting question, Chitra. And I know you will relate to this quite a lot. And from the times that uh, we've been uh, in the industry together, I think we come from a generation where we didn't have a choice other than choosing a tech or a medical field, right? And that's how I think all of us were uh, groomed. All of us were taught to as children. And I come from uh, Hyderabad. I was born and brought up and I'm proud to say that I'm part of St. Anne's, which was supposed to be the school for some of the prominent, I must say, the Miss Indias of uh, India that we've produced. And uh, it's been an incredible experience being in school and and, uh, deciding on the career path. My dad uh, comes from an engineering background. My dad is a solar energy engineer. And for those times, especially back then, uh, solar energy was unheard of. And I think I must have inherited something of that trait in me. I always wanted to do something very different. Engineering was a natural choice, obviously, but I think I didn't go through the regular engineering path. I picked up a bachelor's in mathematics. I was a university topper both in uh, chemistry and in mathematics back then when I was doing my graduation. And then I 
picked up uh, masters in computers where i was almost like the second batch from my university when uh, masters in computer applications was introduced it was a time when we were sharing computers and when we were sharing you know times to just get the programming done to present our uh, assignments to our professors so it was an exciting time at that point and i think that's one of the reasons why i got into the tech industry in the first place uh, and that journey started back then violin school and in college and later with my career as well that part of the journey sounds quite familiar so after you finished your course you know what did you what did you first start with so when we started you know um this was back in ni- in the in the early 90s and i think we did not have a concept of campus hiring which was very predominant post my batches and post some of the uh my seniors have graduated after that so when i graduated i i was looking for an alternative in terms of my career and i started with this first startup which was basically building applications for nasdaq this was a company that was working on building real time applications that were enabling the uh, nasdaq share markets and how we can put the share price how to bring up alerts and how to make uh, things happen i don't know how many people relate to this language i was uh, first developer in visual c++ those days we everybody knows c++ and c which were predominantly there even today in this generation as well but visual c++ was in interim that came in in between and vanished after java came into existence so i think uh, i was one of the first developers for that company and i worked for uh, quite a few years uh, in that space building even monitoring systems or event alerting systems which basically told people who were bidding against a specific pricing on how much was that pricing pricing elasticity was available for them whether they should wait they should bid they should uh, sell buy etc so it was exciting at that time and i was working on main, mainframes in those days and that's how my journey into my professional world began i think from then on I have moved on to working with Ericsson um which was predominantly building uh, a billing software for uh, you know mobile applications so that was my second foray into engineering in terms of you know working on the billing platforms my experience with even monitoring systems which helped me to gain um you know this uh, position was the was the next one and then translated into later on translated into something like hardcore networking protocols like uh, the ospf bjp and i worked with all of the major telecom providers i must say i worked with ericsson i worked with nokia i worked with motorola so that completes the realm of all of the telecom providers back then in india which were basically tra- looking at some of these event management and uh, billing systems and core routing protocols and then firewalls so that was my journey into technology and my journey into engineering wow that is very interesting sunita and based on whatever you said i just realized that you've had a considerable amount of whole systems thinking starting out as a developer monitoring systems billing and payment protocols and so much more i'm sure a lot of that has shaped your understanding of or helped with your understanding of really complex environments that operate today so i knew you as a colleague and uh, i've often wondered what made you you know make the shift from engineering to product management and what was that transition like for you chitra i think uh, we shared a lot of common aspects when we worked together especially in the engineering space and i joined nedap uh, you know we we both had the journey together almost a few months apart um, but i joined nedap as an engineering manager for the storage protocol so 
coming out of the networking space and the telecom space and then the storage space, it seemed like a natural transition to join NetApp as an engineering manager back then and in managing those uh, storage protocols that were relevant to, to the storage industry. Now, getting into that space, maybe one year or a year and a half later, I realized that uh, I wanted to be more focused towards outbound customer management. In terms of understanding, yes, I'm all already developing these technologies. I really wanted to understand how customers would use them and what is in it for them to actually leverage a technology against something else, right? In fact, uh, it was interesting that at NetApp, after about a year and a half into the engineering role, the management thought of bringing product management to Bangalore. And I must say, I was one of the first few product managers as, uh, who started out of uh, Bangalore uh, as the first product manager for file storage protocols, along with another counterpart colleague of mine who was looking at the other piece of the protocols as well. So we were like a two-person team for this you know, billion-dollar storage company, and we were working remotely out of India when product management was literally unheard of. I'm talking about back in 2008, 2009 timeframe, almost about 12, 13 years ago. And uh, I started my journey there. Transition was slightly, I must say, I won't say difficult, slight, it was slightly tricky because um, on one end, you, you have to understand the customer space, which is a new area for you to explore. On the other end, you come with an engineering and a technical background where when you are dealing with your engineering counterparts, you need to be guarded to understand how much information is what you know versus how much information you need to let them know, right? crossing the thin line and making sure that you really come in as a person who's a customer's advocate internally within the company and making that feature available was a very, very different shift um, to where I started as an engineer. Because as an engineer, it's all about, okay, this is the technical capability and this is what you need to deliver. And you would deliver to your fullest of the ability. But here you're trying to actually translate a customer requirement into what does it mean from an engineering standpoint. Learning how to write user stories, learning how to write case studies, learning how to write scalability requirements, understanding the data center needs. These were all very, very, very new for me on, on the product management front. In addition to that, understanding how do you present to a customer? How do you present the value proposition? How do you present the business case? How do you present what's in it for me when the customer wants to buy your solution? I think those are uh, extremely critical for being a successful product manager. I did have really great mentors in my career who helped me to you know, get past that, that, uh, that bubble and helped me to understand more around you know, what does it take to think differently and move out of your comfort zone. All through my career, I think the one most in, important aspect I think I would uh, relate to is I never enjoyed the, you know, the comfort zone. Always, you know, within about two to three years of doing something, I was always restless to learn something new. I think the learn something new part is extremely important from a product management standpoint, especially um, to enable understanding of the customer's thought process and how you need to evolve with respect to changing your thought process from a feature implementation perspective. Thanks, Sunita. I'm sure there's a lot of lessons there for aspiring product managers. You uh, just shared some really, really insightful aspects of what the transition has meant to you. Mm -hmm. So coming back to one point that you talked about, engaging with customers. And very mm -hmm. often as, you know, working in engineering, we used to engineering language. Mm -hmm. And suddenly you have to shift to ensuring that customers understand what 
you have as a solution or offering, as well as understanding what their needs are, what their pains are. So what would you say or what would you like to share as a product manager who's now been at it for over a decade? What are some of those lessons and learnings about managing customer expectations and understanding what it is that they really need? How do you distinguish between a customer need and a want? Yes, absolutely. So I think the most important aspect is exactly like you said, understanding the need between a want and, and you know, a nice to have sort of a thing. Always customers think that anything that they, that they put forward is something that, that we'll go run after it and build a solution. So to build a solution, the most important aspect is to understand the potential problem and the possibilities that we can build around that problem. So one thing is when I am or my team talks to my customers, the most important aspect of it we try to build together is what is the problem that we are trying to solve? Unless until we come up with that framework, customer can ask you for moon and earth. It's not always um, like the most important thing to deliver everything that the customer is asking for. As long as um, you're actually uh, relating that to a specific problem element of that ask, uh, you cannot solve it. Now, that said, customer is the king. Customer is always your boss. End of the day, you need to know how to manage expectations and how to manage the customer expectations in a way that translates into a business. Product manager is an ambassador for a company where he's bringing the business to the company and making sure he sets the customer expectations to a level where you will have repeatable business from that customer. So based on that guideline, you know, once you know what problems that you're trying to solve, you need to enable that, that ask. A simple example. So there has been a specific way of using our storage and till I think the start of this decade, people never thought that 100 terabytes was a small limit, right? 100 terabytes was like, oh my God, it's 100 terabytes. That means that's the biggest size of the volume that that we can think of or biggest size of space that people can put data into. Now come this decade, what happened is with the explosion of data, with the explosion of the amount of information that you're putting on these storage systems, 100 terabytes felt like Uh, it's such a small space, you know, and we need large space to store data. We are talking about exabytes of data storage these days, which was never heard of back then when we started. Now, in order to do that, you need to think differently. This, of course, is a problem to the customer, but is it a problem to every customer? That's an evaluation that you need to do. Going back and do taking the whiteboard and looking at what are those industries that are data rich, which are those industries that really need this kind of data inflow that you need to build bigger systems, that you need to make them available for it. So based on it, we came back and we said, okay, these are the industries that really might need which means like manufacturing, for example, semiconductor, for example, automotives, financials. These are the ones that are really rich with data and they are the ones that really need bigger storage spaces for them to store data, right? So we need to put together a mindset to understand uh, the problem and translating that problem into what do I need to do to build this? Based on which you come up with a solution and my approach has been How can you be transparent and honest with your customers? Talk to them about the solution. Understand what timelines you need to provide to them. Be realistic. Make sure you're following up regularly so that you understand how they feel about the solution. Handhold them to a level where they're comfortable with what you're offering to them and they become your evangelists. You don't 
need any marketing machine as long as you maintain these three or four bullets with your end customer so that you can exceed expectations as you move along and make sure that your company is in the front and center in their thought process when they have to come back to you for a recurring business. So I think that's that's the golden rule, uh, especially when you talk about managing expectations in a world that's changing dynamically year over year and decade over decade. Sarita, there's a lot of lot of information that you shared there. I think I'm, you know, looking forward to someday when you would write a book about it for sure. Uh, there's there's such a wealth of information that that you've shared right now. So thank you so much. Thank you. And I think uh, this is where you know most of the times product management, especially, play a very very critical role. Whether it's a com- it's a legacy company that's doing things on a product that was built a couple of decades ago or whether it's a company that's just started and 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 you know evolving its newer technologies to adapt to the future most of the cases the most important aspect of it is understand the problem statement come back with the alternative be transparent to share those alternatives with the customer so that you can jointly work towards a prioritized solution end of the day gain trust so if you keep to these four important elements of uh, the relationship management with your customer i think that's a win win now internally what you need to do with your engineering team is the same approach it's a slightly different direction you go state the problem engineering comes back with a solution understand you know what that solution means from a business standpoint because engineering can be very creative they can come up with n number of solutions not all solutions are business savvy you you as a product manager is the person who can actually build that that bridge between creating that solution and making your customer happy this is where you product managers play a very very critical role in making sure internally they are keeping their engineering happy and they're keeping their customers happy you become the bridge to both you just answered two of the questions that were lingering in my mind but then i have a few more as well so a lot of product managers you know they look at how will the company be evaluated how successful my product is how do i and you also talked about working with engineering translating developing trust with customers so that you get repeat business a lot of this translates into outcomes or okrs or metric and when you look at uh, you know setting of roadmap and creating releases and like you said technology is changing so fast landscapes are changing so fast i guess the first part of the question is how do you define such outcomes and then how do you keep monitoring or managing those outcomes so that you know you're headed on the right path and the and the business is headed in the right direction so i would take that question in two part chitra uh the first one is business as usual so if you go back to my my uh, previous life when i was managing um, the regular storage business it was basically a, a 5 billion dollar business right and um, we had roughly around 20000 plus customers so end of the day uh, what it meant from a roadmap standpoint is how are you prioritizing the asks that are coming from this 20000 customers that are using your product number one and the second part of it is how would i expand my scope to go beyond this 20000 and acquire new customers so the entire roadmap priorities weighed on these two aspects of it last but not the least is improving what we already have in the product improving its usability improving its scalability or improving 
it's uh, it's availability so these are the three vectors that i can think of from a roadmap uh, perspective that that i will look at for a business that's been sustaining in the industry for two plus de- decades that's a different challenge right and and that challenge is more about when i get a set of requirements i would bucket under these three categories and based on these three categories i would then go back and look at what am i prioritizing under this and and how am i prioritizing how much percentage i'm going to do for this 20000 install base install base and how much percentage for acquiring new customers and how much percentage for the sustaining part in terms of improving the product availability right so the, this is a way that i would look at a business that's sustained for two plus decades kids and where am i headed think about a startup think about somebody who started something really new like you said there are so many new technologies that are coming into the play they, there is ai there is ml there is edge there is core there is um, things that are that are coming up with respect to cloud so this is a completely new space so within major enterprises as well you can look at um, having small startups which are thinking about these aspects of adding add on capabilities to products that companies are already selling one simple example is the new acquisition that netapp did uh, which is called spot and this is basically to optimize the hyperscaler usage and how would we do it a lot of people asked questions oh what does that got to do with netapp right so netapp is a major storage vendor and and we are kind of doing things both on prem and in the cloud what spot did was to provide an add on capability for the customers where it optimized their spend on how much of their hyperscaler capacity they are using versus how much they're on prem that they are using so this brings up a new uh, metric for product managers where they need to think about adjacencies they need to think about okay i have a core product how would i expand this core product to offer different capabilities even within the storage also what we've done is we've implemented analytics which is an add on right it's not a core capability of storage what we did is we added analytics on top of it to enable customers to know where uh, the data should sit should it sit on an expensive piece of storage can it go to cheap storage how would i do it so these adjacencies thinking about these adjacencies is extremely critical and that's part of the product management thought process as well now beyond this there is a third angle to the whole thing on markets are evolving the customer thought process or the customer procurement models are changing now with all of that customers don't want to do the regular thing that they used to do previously they don't want to spend cash they don't want to buy anything up front as you know as a service or a service based offerings are becoming predominant in the industry so what we need we had to think was okay i am running this legacy business where i'm used to you know selling in a in a capital expenditure structure how do i translate that into something that the customers can pay as they use and the reason for this is cloud the important reason why these new business models are coming up is thanks to cloud and the emergence of all of the workloads moving into the cloud created this momentum so this is another third angle where we need to think about okay other than product other than adjacencies how would i define a completely new way of procuring things for my customer that's where the whole subscription journey began and that's where i had to build this entire new model for customers to consume through a through a way where it's not business as usual they could protect their cash they could enable an option where they'll buy only what they want or what they use so that they're not spending more and these times especially given the current situation economically majority of the companies are looking forward to this kind of a model hope this answers your question where 
core product capabilities, adjacencies, and changing of business models are the key elements of, of the business on how it should graduate from starting grounds up to getting into something uh, different. Certainly, Sunita. I think you, you know, you're sharing this has really expanded the scope of many things that I had wanted to ask you and very, very helpful and useful. I am hearing from several companies as well, this transition from managing successful uh, legacy product and um, you know having a loyal customer base and yet having to uh, transition to new business models or even think up new business models in the best interest of both customers and the business. I think huge challenges on the ground. So thank you so much for sharing it. I'm sure many of our listeners will benefit from this. Um, shifting tracks a bit here, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people are now aspiring to become product managers. And you spoke about the influence of mentors in your journey and how they have helped shape you as a product manager. And recently, I was reading this uh, 2020 report on the state of product management. And one of the biggest asks from PMs is, I'm looking for opportunities. I'm looking for opportunities to you know, build my craft and cultivate, learn, and explore what it really means to be a product manager. And given the complexity and diversity of this function, now since mentoring has meant a lot to you, and I'm sure there are a lot of up-and-coming product managers that have worked with you, what is it that you you have done for them in terms of creating those opportunities and helping them build and grow in their careers as product managers? Absolutely. That's a, that's a very good question. And I had recently done a workshop with, um, with an organization that I'm uh, an advisory on. This is called an th- organization called ThriveWise. This is specifically for women who are looking for, for people who are looking for career transitions of moving from a specific function into another. I have myself been part of uh, that journey where I have had touch wood. I've had really good mentors who actually handpicked me whenever there was a opportunity for doing something different. So one important lesson or one important guideline I would talk to people is whatever role you are in and whatever you're doing, whether it's engineering, whether it's a sales, whether it's anything different, um, I would highly recommend enabling that that vision of what a product manager does. I, I'm happy to support. I'm happy to provide the people that, that I work with right now who I actually guide and provide mentorship to some of the early stage engineers who are interested in moving into product management. I would actually give them projects in like provide me this with sizing example of how many customers are going to adopt what you're trying to do. So beyond their technical skills, these product managers help in uh, doing this analysis because we come with that kind of a background where we understand how to model a problem into a solution and that solution fit for specifically those customers or those uh, set of people who, who actually want that solution is something uh, that comes uh, naturally. So one thing I think I would uh, highly recommend is basically to understand the space much more widely and clearly than, than what, uh, what they do. In the day-to-day function they, they perform, I think it's very important for them to know how of that and what 
is the anticipated outcome. How will the customers actually adopt to those anticipated outcomes is something very, very, very critical. So as long as you, you have that mindset to uh, build that capability within yourself, the discussion becomes a lot more easier or rather your learning process becomes a lot more easier in getting you to that, uh, to that uh, next level or understanding to what you want to do as, a, as, a, as an individual. The second thing I would also in, recommend highly is to talk about, talk to your, I mean, whoever, whether it's your mentor or whether it is somebody that you know that will enable an option is to shadow. Uh, just to go back to what you said, I think um, when we did the, there was a company that, that did a survey and uh, within that survey, it came out that there are roughly about uh, 21% of the employees and this survey was done of five big companies which are at least 600k plus employees so 21% of the employees are developers versus 2.7% are product people so you can see the difference you can see the difference on product versus the people who are in hardcore engineering i would highly highly recommend the engineering folks who are doing that activity to think more on the product side of it the one thing that you need to change from your mindset is how does this engineering view and product management view change? In an engineering view, your majority of time you spend is on your technical abilities. The rest is understanding the user-centric approach. After that, I would say that maybe about 70% is technical abilities, maybe about 15% is your user-centric approach. The rest is all about business mindset, how do you communicate the technology or whether if you need to do any data specific uh, modeling stuff that you need to do for your thing. This is your engineering view. This is how you, you think about it. But when you change your role into a product perspective, it completely shifts the direction. The technical abilities in this direction is only going to be 10%. But your major focus will be business mindset, user-centric mindset, important aspect is communication. A new skill set that you need to learn is the strategic mindset. When I say strategic mindset, what does that mean is how would this problem help the company that you're working? Does this get any business? Does this get anything additional for the company? So this is how you need to change the thought process from an engineer to product manager. So this is where I would really uh, recommend people who are thinking uh, from a product management perspective, if they're really interested in that role, they need to know how to quantify a problem. They need to know how to prioritize, transform that problem into a, into a solution that's consumable. Most important aspect, user experience. Another most important aspect, product managers don't have direct line of control. All of this works on relationship building. It's extremely important aspect of a product management function where you need to have relationships into different teams across that can help you to build that, build that bond where they, they would know that you're the go-to person when they have the solution ready and when they want you to take it to the market. When we talk about uh, the framework of the thought process for a person who wants to evolve into product management, we actually work on something called as a product network. Uh, it's a triangular function which relies on three pillars. One is the users, second is the business, third is the technology. So these are the three important uh, pillars or three important convergence points uh, within uh, a product management framework. 
the number one point in this concept is a user. So from a user standpoint, we have to be really clear on the user requirements, understanding what the user is looking for, understanding or doing research in terms of knowing what the what are the aspects of that particular problem that you want to build on. Chitra, you asked me a question initially. You said, how do you manage the expectations? The management of expectations comes in this framework where your design is totally dependent on how do you manage the expectation. So once you're very clear on your user asks, the second element of it and the most important element of it is the business because you need to have your finance, um, your, um, you know, your technology partners, your project management, everybody to invest or put budget in there to make this available and make sure that this is something that's that's backed by the company in every which way uh, to deliver the solution. I wouldn't say last, but not the least. I would say technology is very important end of the day, but technology is just an enabler. So the third element of it is the technology part of it. What is the technology that you're going to use to deliver this particular product or this particular capability that is important for your customer? whether that technology is cost efficient and falls in your budget and keeps your customer happy. You see the relationship between all the three. So these are the three forces that come together and you are in the center of all of these things. You as a product manager are in the center of all of these things in terms of balancing all of them together to make a final uh, pitch, which actually gets the right product for the right customer at the right price. If you keep these three things in mind, that's, I feel, is, is a success of what a product manager could be. And I wouldn't say that you have to play the role to learn this. You can play the role even while you're doing your engineering function. If you can wear multiple hats, if you can volunteer yourself and go ask for projects where you can prove your skills to get something that, that you can exemplify this capability, but eventually you can move into, the, into, that, into that function. I have done it myself. I have hired multiple people in my career who have, have actually projected or played this role, exemplified their skill sets, and I've provided that opportunity for them to come on board and, and lead this effort. Thanks, Anita. That, again, was uh, such a wealth of information and your experience as a product manager truly shines through whatever you have said. I'm sure this holds out a lot of pathways for people who would listen to this episode in terms of helping them understand more about the role and perhaps what it takes to to be successful as a product manager and very interesting for me to listen to as well. To close it, I would just say a few nuggets. One, when you're talking to your customers, believe but listen. Important part. Always measure results. When you release something out there, Make sure to measure how many customers have adopted, how many downloads, how many customers have used it, what is the feedback, make sure to measure it. Always ship the right product. It has to at least match to the 90% of the expectations. You as a product manager are the advocate of the user. So don't forget that. There will, there will always be disagreements. You need to know how to negotiate these disagreements and maintain progress. Finally, product is never finished. It's an ongoing journey. You need to know whether you want to take that ongoing journey to improve the product or whether it's time to kill it. Every product has a life. So you need to also know as a product manager, 
whether you want to kill it or whether you want to keep it alive if you are keeping it alive how do you want to take this to the customers to make sure they understand the value proposition even two decades two decades from when the product was first originally built i think you've hit upon such such crucial points and especially the last one i think that calls for a separate conversation by itself and i hope sometime soon i want to look at some other aspects of you know what keeps sunita rao ticking apart from what your daily job is i know you have interest in several social causes how did that come about what are some of those that you are passionate about and involved with thank you for asking that question chitra because um, outside of work what keeps me sane is some of these uh, uh, causes that i strongly strongly believe in i i lost my mother to glioblastoma um, which is a form of brain cancer and uh, that's a cause i heavily believe in and i contribute to it i'm part of the national brain national brain tumor association um, where i contribute in whichever way either through um, monetarily or through doing service i actually talk to caregivers um, in india unfortunately uh, this is something that's that's uh, very fairly very very new when we were going through the situation with my mom there were very few hospitals that were there was and what kind of treatments are possible how do you train caregivers so we actually have me and my dad actually reach out to majority of these patients talk to them give them uh, guidance in terms of how they need to cope up how they need to be with the patients how they need to educate them on on an ongoing basis and that's a cause i believe in and there's a lot of progress here in the us i take back some of these studies back to india and i work with a couple of hospitals and couple of people back in hyderabad uh, where me and my dad are, are are on a mailing list where we talk to people when they come back and say this is what happened how do i react how do i do it so it's kind of an online suggestion or a online online help desk that we provide uh, guidance to people that's one cause that i'm very strongly passionate about in terms of uh, the social cause the second one is something that my mom started my mom was a doctorate in english literature and she was very passionate about educating girl girl children so there is an organization back in hyderabad uh, which basically houses uh destitute women and uh, women who've been thrown out by their families uh they could be burn victims they could be acid burn victims they could be any other um, situational uh ladies that that this organization takes care of and what my mother used to do was to coach them about life was to coach them about how do you approach to interviews i'm proud to say that we've helped uh women to participate in corporate interviews and uh, providing them with that confidence on how to attend interviews there were women who didn't even know how to speak english so we we have a trained package where we'll give them how do you address an interview how to write your resume what kind of things that you need to build on your resume to get a job it could be any job but we provide that support for these women and help them to uh, talk to talk to their interviewers we also work with some of the corporates like wipro and tcs uh, where we kind of you know uh, work with the hr departments to see if they can help us in in whichever way to help these women to be on their own and uh, get an opportunity to build their life back again so that's the second cause i very strongly believe in recently i have been part of uh, an organization here in the us called thrivewise i'm on the board 
to basically uh, enable women uh, for different fields. I lead the product management advisory on that board where we help women in terms of understanding the product management function itself. I kind of mentor women who are looking for career transition at every which way, early stage, mid stage, late stage, um, where they want to move into product management career, provide them tips on how to build that uh, option for them, run workshops to provide them with business modeling, thinking through about uh, uh, a certain business aspect in terms of changing their trajectory and thinking through, you know, how to, how do they get there? So these are my fun uh, areas that I really love to work uh, and I, I enjoy myself in, um, you know, participating in these activities and, and providing uh, my services, whatever best I can. Very inspiring and motivating, Sunita. Thanks a lot. This is certainly energized me just listening to you and working on so many dimensions, uh, especially when it comes to helping women. This, again, is a space that I would love to have certainly have a lot more conversations with you about. As we are coming to a close of this episode, are there any last messages that you would like to leave people with? I want to talk about what I believed in always. And I think uh, that's what I I would uh, advocate is there is nothing that you cannot do. I mean, one thing I always believed in my career was uh, if you think differently, you can make anything happen. It is um, an ongoing process, a continued development and, you know, iterating yourself on how you want to change yourself. How do you want to adapt yourself? Never sit back, never sit back. And the second thing is every problem will have very different set of solutions. So there's no problem that doesn't have a solution. It all, all it takes is to think through on what is the solution. And, and you will certainly come to that, come to that choice if you really think uh, you want to do it. So never give up. That's all is is my message. Thanks, Sunita. It's been really nice having you as a guest on the Software People's Stories. I certainly look forward to many more conversations with you. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And thank you, Chitra, for this opportunity. And this is a really fantastic way to connect with so many people out there that I might not have met in my life. Thanks to you for providing this opportunity and helping me reach out to this wider audience. Thanks Siddharth for the music and Malavika for promoting the Software People stories. If you like this episode, please subscribe on your favorite podcast client and spread the word in your network. If you'd like to share your story, contact us at podcast at pm-powerconsulting.com.